0: Today on the show, comedian W. Kamau Bell joins us to talk comedy influences, first-time talk show experiences, and much more on episode 38 of Who Writes This Stuff. It's Saturday morning and I just woke up. That's why my voice is really low. Hey everybody, (laughs) welcome to the show. My name is Nick Flora, this is Who Writes This Stuff, episode 38, coming to you from my house in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for listening. Um, I am a morning person. I've never done an intro to a podcast in the morning, and you'll see that I am this way. My voice is low, but my spirits are high, because I'm a morning person, one of the most hated people in society today. Uh, This is episode 38, as I said, which means this podcast is about to be over the hill, uh, and we'll probably have to start taking some sort of vitamin supplement at some point and invest in one of those vitamin a day containers, you know? So if you guys want to send those in, uh, we're not far from it. So, you know, where's the time go? 38 episodes. Here we go. I'm excited about this one. Uh, this has been a, a crazy week, uh, what really the last 24 hours yesterday I podcasted three times in four hours, which I've never done and was quite a rush. I'll tell you, I felt like a marathon runner or, uh, a, a guy who, sits in his computer chair and and has three consecutive conversations. That's actually probably more what it felt like. Um, Also, uh, I wanted to say that this is episode 38. Next one, uh, but for you math majors out there, is episode 39. Uh, And it will post on December 18th and will be our annual uh, Best Music of the Year podcast. I I did it last year, and I'm going to do it again this year, so that makes it an annual thing. Uh, I'm actually... Uh, excited about it! I want to incorporate you guys, so um, I want a bunch of listener feedback on the on that show specifically. So um, I'll be counting down my top ten favorite albums of the year and songs of the year, probably, and uh, I want to hear yours. So if you have a list of favorites in the world of music from 2012, email who writes this stuff podcast at gmail dot com, uh, and I'll read them on the show. So and uh, and and you know talk about how great you guys are all at once so uh, also if you don't want to email because it's such a drag it's like two steps to make a thing happen uh you can you can tweet at who writes pod or uh, write on the facebook wall at uh, who writes this stuff on facebook so um but yeah send in your favorite music choices of 2012 um also uh you know even if it's just music that didn't come out this year but that you got into this year uh that might have come out in previous years that you know you didn't know existed Or you just drug your feet too long and uh, didn't quite get into. Uh, I want to hear those, too. Those are always fun. Uh, I have a few of those as well that I'm like, this has been around for a couple years. I'm just now getting into it. So, yeah, send in your favorite music choices of 2012 uh, before December 18th, and uh, we'll have a gay old time. Uh, I I can say that, right? Is that offensive? The Flintstones said it. How offensive could that be? Uh, don't answer that. So today, uh, I have a, We have a great show uh, with uh, comedian W. Kamau Bell. But before we get to that, as always, if you want to contact the show as we said earlier, who writes this stuff podcast at gmail.com. Uh, send me emails. I love getting emails from you guys. Uh, if anything discussed on this episode or previous ones grabbed you in a certain way, or, uh, you know, just reminded you of something, join the conversation, shoot us a line, uh, let me know. And, uh, what you think? And, you know, I might read it on the show. So, uh, also, uh, leave iTunes reviews if you would be so kind. Uh, you can go to the iTunes podcast page and just leave a quick review if you enjoy the show. It really does help us out, helps iTunes know that we're here. Uh, I would like to give a shout-out right now to Trent Anderson. Trent- Anderson. who uh left the the la- latest iTunes review very kind uh he actually said this podcast was the bomb which uh makes me think that he was uh writing this review in 2004 and uh no just kidding Trent thank you so much Anderson. I love that you guys listen to this silly little thing that I love to do, and it it, it delights me greatly. So, also, if you want to be a bigger sweetheart and uh, in the jewel of my crown forever, you can actually donate a little bit to help the podcast keep going. There's a donate button on the podcast blog, which is linked on uh, all the social media that that we do for the podcast. And if you want to, you know, throw five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever's in your kind of, you know, sometimes you just have like $3.13 in your PayPal. If you want to shoot that to us, uh, it helps us going, keep this going, and uh, you know, buy more bandwidth and keep putting out episodes. So um, I'm never gonna act, like charge money for this podcast. I, I love doing it too much to ask you guys to pay for it. But uh, but it it does cost money to make happen, and so if you guys want to help keep it going, and uh, I, I would appreciate that. That that would be uh, stupendous. So uh, also, you know, I said it earlier, but if you want to follow on Twitter at Who as well as the Facebook page. Uh, and I think that's all as far as business goes. So cool. We're done. Have a, <laughs> that was a great show. Uh, you guys have a good day. Uh, no, uh, I'm excited about today's show because one of those three podcast conversations that I talked about earlier that I had yesterday is, uh, one you're about to hear with comedian W. Kamau Bell. And, uh, some of you might be familiar with him. He has this great show on the FX network called totally biased with W. Kamau Bell. Tim, uh, which is, it, it, the show's kind of a mix between The Daily Show and uh, The Chris Rock Show, uh, which actually makes sense, since the executive producer is actually Chris Rock, and uh, Kumal is currently on tour, and is coming to Nashville, uh, actually, at the High Watt, this coming Tuesday, December 11th, so if you're listening to this the the week that this comes out, uh, please go see him, he's a great comic, uh, and I I can't uh, recommend him enough, I, th- I think he's highly entertaining, and uh, he was just on Conan uh, a couple nights ago, and he gave me a call right after, and uh, we have this chat, and uh, never met him before, really great guy, um, so let's get on it, you guys. Here's my talk with W. Kamau Bell. I said that weird. W. Kamau Bell. Much better. Great job on Conan, by the way.
1: Oh, thanks. <laughs> that was uh, surreal.
0: Yeah, was that your first experience with a uh, with like a talk show like that, where you actually got on panel?
1: Um, I mean, you know, it's funny. As a comic, you do all sorts of tiny little versions of that, but that's my first of the major big talk shows, yes. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, you know, I'd always thought, assumed as a comic I would get on as a stand-up first and then make your way over to the panel over the series of years, but my whole career has been backwards and through side doors, so... <laughs> Oh you yeah.
0: That's that's. The I know, and you can't really. I mean, there's no really kind of set rules to follow. You know, with performing these days, you just kind of go through the doors that that are in front of you. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or you build a house and make a door and go through that door. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Absolutely. I love. I love on Conan. Like you know, you even just having a rapport with Andy. You, you know, just you have that. Well, yeah
1: uh like staring at you and also you kind of feel like you know them even though you don't but you know you just sort of feel like you know you know they sort of very they're very nice there and say hey do what you want to do and you know i kind of wish i'd done more of what i wanted to do it's just that the whole thing is a little bit like what are we doing you know i was on after ty burrell
0: and before gaslight anthem and you go and just a little sense of like these people are for real I know, I know. That's that's got to be bizarre. I I did uh, doing some research. It is interesting to see that you, you. It seems like you were just a legitimate like stand up comic for years, and then cause the you know your IMDb page isn't like a lot of comedians are where they're just doing, where they're where they're doing IMDb. they're doing guest spots on you know on Everybody Loves Raymond or whatever, and then you know that and then people realize in retrospect, oh, they've been actually doing comedy for for years. Yeah,
1: yeah. My IMDb page is like a it's like a ghost town. Uh, but yeah, my MD, for the first major credit of my own was my own TV show.
0: That's a, that's awesome. Uh... Which is funny, because
1: people in the current era are like, who you know, there is a sense of like the internet and sort of the mob mentality. This, who is this guy who I've never, well, you know, not everything happens or it, that you think it's going to
0: happen. So, that, that's you true. You know, people who are deep comedy nerds know who I am
1: and so you know and and the and the other people are finding out you know hopefully as we as the show continues
0: you, you would think at some point we would get we wouldn't be so surprised that somebody kind of comes up uh you know out of nowhere and and essentially as far as like being on television and whatnot you know because uh, well, yeah, well, I mean
2: the dominant paradigm
1: is that you go up through New York or LA and it just so happened that I stayed in San Francisco and I would think i New York and LA when I needed to, and I performed my solo shows there and did stand up there, and you know did a bunch of festivals in New York or a couple festivals, Solanova and the French Festival. But you know, it, it, you know, if you're not there every day, people sort of just like, you know, every time I went, they'd be like, "Who's this new guy?" I was like, "Oh, <laughs> very funny, interesting." Uh, but you know, but I just sort of like, I understood they're like, if I don't see you every day, I'm not thinking about you. So you uh. know, but and so you know, but I've certainly. You know, people who know the, you know, the comedy scene know, know who I am. But it's just, you know, I, it, I feel like it's good. It gives hope to all those other people who aren't doing it the regular way.
2: I always find myself in weird situations. I travel a lot for comedy. I was in New Jersey recently. And uh, you know how you have a negative stereotype about a place and you go and you see it and you go, oh, I was wrong. That's not what happened to me in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I was Right. Started the moment I got there, I got to the, air, to the hotel, checked in, got on the elevator. This white dad and his two teenage daughters got in the elevator, and we're standing on the elevator, and one of the teenage daughters turns to her dad and goes, Dad, what room are we staying in? And the dad looked over at me and looked at her and was like. Oh. But she didn't get it, she's like, Dad, 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 you know how young white girls are, Dad. Dad, Dad, what room are we staying in? <laughs> and he was like, sixth floor. I know the floor, but what room? <laughs> Six forty. And I was like, okay, stop, everybody. First of all, young lady, let me explain. Your dad doesn't want to say what room you're staying in in front of a strange Negro he doesn't know. So just calm down. You'll be there in a second. Also, don't worry, I cracked the code. I know you're staying in room 640. <laughs> My show gets over at midnight. I'll see you at twelve thirty, and I'm bringing all my rowdy Negro friends. Are you ready for some Negroes?
0: Uh, where did you first get the idea of performing comedy just as a thing? Where did that Where did like that come in? I always in? wanted to be
1: a comic. I'm one of those people who was like, who grew up that was like. Once I realized superhero was not a legitimate job <laughs> option, uh, I wanted to be a comic because that seemed like as close to being Spider Man as possible.
0: What What kind of sparked that? You know, where you could point and be like, that, I want to do that. You know, I was, uh, like, I remember, like, you know, growing up in the era of, like, video stores. Like, mm-hmm. you
1: know, like, like so 1st I've been a big fan of Saturday Night Live, and therefore a big fan of Eddie Murphy, and then renting, like, uh, Eddie Murphy
2: Delirious. Sure.
1: And being like, the, and, you know, and Eddie Murphy at that time seemed like he was probably, you know, like, three years older than me, but he was a lot older. <laughs> 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 and and that's you go, oh, you can just do that? You know, and then, and the, you know, I'm still trying to do that, uh, And then, like, Bill Cosby himself was a real touchstone for me, you know? Just because I think there's something about the two of those, like, Delirious and Bill Cosby. Delirious is, like, like basically like a kid who's in full
0: control of his powers. And Bill Cosby himself is an adult man in full control (laughs) of his powers. He's not even standing up.
1: He's literally sitting on a chair like, I can do it from here.
0: Yeah, there, there, there is something kind of badass about Bill Cosby just sitting down and like, no, yeah. now I'm going to talk. And, the, you know, lo, the way he looks into the camera and the way he looks into the eyes of the audience, there's something yeah. there's something special about that. It's a little bit like your dad doing it. Like, I, OK, I have to sit and listen to my dad because I'm yes. partly scared of him, but partly in awe and in love with him. Uh, yeah, so. exactly. And also, if he, Bill Cosby, determined, they, like, he's, like,
1: this is what I think is funny. I'm good at this, so you're going to think this is funny. There's not a sense of him, like, sort of catering at all. And I think that's basically, and then, you know, I've seen Bill Cosby, I saw Bill Cosby four or five years ago, and it's still the same way, and it's like, and you watch it, it's like, this dude's a, it's like a master class in comedy, because he's, he's dictating what we think is funny. He's not in any way sort of like, what do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> 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 he's like, I More stories to tell. They're all about my kids and my grandkids. And then at some point, I'm going to talk about the dentist, and you're all going to laugh like you never heard that joke
0: before. Absolutely. Yeah, he does. He does tend to to take things that might seem cliche, like going to the dentist or other things, and just and but you can't help but laugh your ass off because there's just something. Yeah, and a little
1: bit. I think he invented some of those cliches. You know.
0: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's true. And so you saw him recently? Is he st- and he still has that that quality that that he had all those years ago?
1: Yeah, like I mean, at one point there was like I mean, this was like four or five years ago. but At one point there was like somebody. I mean, it was funny, when I saw him, it was in the middle of, like, he had that mini-scandal about the woman who said that he was her father, sure. sure. that she was from that. and, you know, it ended up that she was lying, and it was in the middle of that, and I went going, I wonder if anybody's gonna heckle or bring that up? Nobody did.
0: Wow. Can
1: you think of any other comic who could be on stage in the middle of a scandal, and nobody... No. He doesn't address it in any way, and nobody brings it up, or nobody, you know, nobody keep it as a joke.
0: Right, I'm I'm sure Michael Richards hasn't even touched a, touched the stage since his, yeah, yeah, you know. Remember <laughs> how long Tracy Morgan had to apologize for? <laughs> like, Absolutely. He back up on stage. Wow. Uh, yeah. That, you know, that, so that's it's like know, before he was accepted back on stage, and he probably like get through his act,
1: you know. But so I just think it's funny that like Bill Cosby is just bigger than he's bigger than the art form, and he went through his act and did his thing, and it was great, you know.
0: Yeah, that's. And anyway, like I said, it's just like uh, the thing. That's the position every comic was reading, where I completely dictate
1: what you think with, what you think is funny, in the same way that a musician dictates what is a song. You
0: know. Oh, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, because a lot of people, there are a lot of similarities to to music and comedy, and I think a lot, you know, having to do with genre and different, you know, ways you approach it. And I think a lot of people don't really see it that way. definitely there are a lot of quote-unquote, just kind of regular, down-the-middle uh, comedy clubs, too, that, that don't see it that way either. And people just show up to see
2: yeah, comedy. I mean, I think that we don't think of
1: music... I don't think of comedy enough being like music and that there are different genres. Like, you know, I think part of the issue, like right now, there's this sort of thing that's happened over the last couple of years where comics have been caught doing something and have been sort of put in a position of apologizing. And, you know, first of all, I don't think anybody's above an apology, even comedians or people, too. So but so if a comic wants to apologize, feel free to apologize. I don't believe that that thing about comics don't have to apologize. Well, they don't have to, they don't want to. But there's nothing, you don't lose any power through apology. That's true. Um, but I think the thing that is funny is that I think there's also a problem, like, you know, people are still going to comedy clubs to just see this thing called comedy. You know,
0: there's some they're not doing that thing, you know, comedy nerds know the difference. Like, I'm gonna go see this person.
1: Right. But, you know, people don't go to see generally don't go to see music, they go to see the band or a style of music they like. But people show up at comedy clubs just to see comedy and when it's not the comedy they want, they they like they, they get butthurt, which is fine, but I to like, if you had just looked this comic up on the internet before you got there, you would have known not to go.
0: I know, you literally have it at your disposal to, to see yeah, whether you're there's like no, There's no reason to not know. Who, I mean, you know, or here's the thing, or know that you're going
1: to a showcase night and some are going to win you and some are
0: going to lose you. Do you think that's ever going to shift? Do you think will the mainstream America, quote unquote, will know that there is a difference and learn their lesson at some point? Or do you think there will always be kind of a mountain to climb? I think we on them
1: learning the difference, I don't think comedy is ever going to be as big. And I mean, it's funny. In some sense, comedy is huge, but it's never going to be as part of people, the fabric, of people's lives, the way music is. Yeah, uh, music can play in the background of your life. When comedy's <laughs> on, it's got
2: to be right in your face. <laughs> and plus, I don't get thinking somebody is anybody other than who they are in the 21st century. It made sense like 10, 15 years ago. You could get confused where you have. I think that might be the guy, but now there should be a series of stopgap measures before it comes out here. And right before it gets here, you sh- you shouldn't say anything. You know why? Because you have a device in your pocket that con- contains all the information from the history of the world. And you can search it by images. You can be like, hey, Google, is that the lead singer of the Roots? And Google will be like, no, you're a racist. <laughs> like, thanks, Google. You're welcome, racist. Uh,
1: the bigger thing with me is because I read topically, you know, like I just lost a lot of jokes once the election happened.
0: <laughs> That's a good point. You
1: know, like- I can't, you know, nobody was there by chunk on Mitt Romney and how I
0: think he might not win anymore. You know? <laughs> That's true. you, you do <laughs> No
1: matter how well it was written. Sometimes you're like, oh, I wish I could have that joke for a while longer. You know, because if you write sort of just strictly observationally, which is, a, which is a great way to write, you can keep things for a long time. You know, there's comics out there on the road who are touring on the same thing for 10 or 15 years, you know, just because they're like, yeah, jokes joke still works, and they're not big enough that people know, you know.
0: That's true. There's a there's a lot of you
1: know, I sort of I like the process of writing new stuff, I like the process of creating new stuff. It doesn't always come as fast as you want it to, but it's you know, certainly I built a relationship with the audience in San Francisco that, you know, they would let me explore on stage and figure some new things out. So, you know, it's it's you know, and, and you know, so I like that process of writing on stage. That's something I've always enjoyed. You know, going on stage with a kernel of an idea, or just something that's burning a hole in your stomach, and you sort of start to explore on stage, and, and you know, in the right circumstances, you can, you know, if an audience is hit, and with that, you can sort of find some things, and, you know, and that's great
0: to do. Oh, definitely. Do you, do you kind of hope to, uh, as far as remembering that kind of stuff, when that when the, you go up with a kernel and it kind of turns into this whole thing, that you're like, oh, I can use this. Do, do you preemptively you know, record your set, or do you have somebody record your set? How do you figure out? Uh, you know, how to do that. You know,
1: for me, it's always about, like, you know, sometimes on real court, but sometimes it's about, like, like, it's, like, immediately rushing off stage and then going, okay, what was that? (laughs) Right. And really sort of document the skeleton of what happened. And, you know, it's, like, sometimes you're just, you know, it's really only super important if you come with a perfect line. You're, like, that's the exact way to say that.
2: But a lot of times with me, it's, like, the beats of the routine. Like, okay, I started up here, then I went here, and then it's about sitting down after that and really sort of putting to paper or computer to computer however that works sure uh keyboard and sort of starting to like take some notes on it but for me there's
1: like very few and this isn't this isn't bragging or talking about think everybody's process is different and my process is broken in a lot of ways like you know it's <laughs> really for me it's about like getting the beats of the thing down and then working through the beats you know like i love listening to like you know there's a lot of hicks bootlegs and things out there and you can listen how it kind of Joke change or routine change, but how he got there would be somewhat different depending upon the crowd and how he felt.
0: Yeah. And I think that's kind of a cool thing because it sort of makes it a. And I worked with, I used to work with David Tell a lot before he was famous
2: mm-hmm. uh, or a draw,
0: and he was the same way,
1: like he would get to. He, the punchlines were super tight, but he would get. You know, it's just sort of fascinating to see him work through that process and also become really, really sort of uh, focused on different aspects of jokes and really having fun with those. And so, I really like the idea of like that. For the comic, it's fun for us too. You know,
0: absolutely. I remember seeing, uh, I guess, on him while he was working out his last hour, Patton Oswalt, and and he he did some stuff that basically bombed, and then and then yeah. he, and then him him saying to the crowd like, "I'm." I'm right, you're wrong, and that getting a laugh, but then in the hour, when he actually did it, it killed, and I was like, watching him work it out, it was just, it's kind of amazing. It's really, it's impressive, for sure. Yeah, Pat is a guy who I think has that sort of (laughs) Bill Cosby approach where it's like,
1: these are the things that I want to talk about, and I will make them funny. And you know, and I think he's really... Prove it. And I think you know he He almost doesn't get enough credit for that because it's not a real loud. Like he comes out with an hour every year or so.
0: You know. Yeah, that's true.
1: And, and it's like and he, you know and he's he stays in the club even though he could be sort of pursuing his movie career or whatever or doing a drawing complex or whatever the million things Patton does. On. Sure. Uh, but he really sort of does a good. You know, he's really like his. It's really highly crafted and highly personal, which for me is the, is the thing that I like too about uh, like trying to get it. Like make sure the material is something that really means something to you. It's not just
0: jokes right well when you first started what was your what was kind of your earlier voice i mean now you're you have this kind of socio-political you know and you do a lot of racial material just you know commenting on that but early on uh w- was that kind of the first stuff you talked about on stage or what was kind of your point of view no early on
1: i was really like just, you know it's like you know panning for punchlines is what I it wasn't really <laughs> a style it was like it went back and forth from like uh stuff that was like really sort of personal to me, but then something was strictly observational. I just found that whenever I talked about race, audiences, I sort of would find that I'd get a lot of pushback from the audience, and sometimes i stopped talking about race, and then sometimes I would talk only about race, and and it wasn't until 2007 when I started, when I was like, I want to talk about race, but I need to find a format in which I can do it, because a lot of times in clubs, if you talk about any subject for 10 minutes, people go, move on to the next thing, (laughs) like, we're done with this. Through stuff that, like, you know, I think race is one of those topics that people just get sort of like, uh, it sort of starts to get in a crawl, you know. And so I was like, I want to talk, I want to do a show that's all about race and racism, and I want to let people know in front so that at least they know that's what they're there to, to be a part of.
0: That's true. Do you find that? You... That's
1: when I started the solo show and started running my own theaters, like I said, building the house and
0: walking through the door I built. That's true. I, and I was wondering, you know, in different parts of the country, because you are coming to Nashville. Uh, this Tuesday and, and I was in different part of the country do you find that pushback in different areas or the, the different responses to kind of maybe the, the racial stuff or the socio-political stuff because the, the political you know leanings definitely do change when you go from coast to coast and in the middle uh, I mean do you find the audiences uh, respond differently? Well
1: yeah I mean it's funny it's like because I come from San Francisco
0: there's things I take completely for granted uh, you know like just you know, you're
1: saying the word gay marriage in San Francisco,
0: people just go, uh huh, what, what, what about it? <laughs> true. There's not like any sort of like, there's no tension in the room.
1: Uh, or not, or not, it's sort of like, yeah, or, or there's maybe a little bit of like, yeah, we're still trying to figure that out. Whereas if you say, you know, you don't have to go that far outside of a major city to hit Texas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
0: that's true. Like,
1: and so you can do, I can be 45 minutes outside of San Francisco and say gay marriage, and people go, ugh, wow, we gotta talk about that. You
0: know? <laughs> that's and very so true. I,
1: You can find that pushback in the Bay Area. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, you know, it's funny because in places where you go, oh, this is a diverse place where everybody has progressive ideas, but if the comedy club is in the undiverse part of town, then you're suddenly, uh, you know, yes, undiverse is a new word I just invented. uh, (laughs) Undiverse part of town, then suddenly you have to deal with those people no matter what you think the area is about, you know?
0: That's true. So I would, I would, so, and you know, and you also don't
1: know how, you know, like it's funny, like it's just how, how people, like in San Francisco, I don't look like that much of a thing. I go, oh, there's a big, tall, black guy. There's not that many of them. That's one of them. Uh, what it, but in some places, you go to some radio, you go, that guy's a freak. You know what I mean? Like, it's suddenly, it's like, even my appearance becomes something that I have to, that I have to deal with with the audience. And at that point, it becomes my my job to really decide to deal with it or not decide to deal with it. But you have to sort of, definitely, it's about taking the temperature of the room and sort of working it through. And, you know, I've never been in Nashville before. And so I would imagine that within the first five minutes, I'd be like, oh, okay, we're doing
0: this. Yeah. Be better yeah. Thankfully, Nashville has come around in the past uh, couple years to being another one of those spots. Hopefully, you know, like San Francisco or Austin or one of those places where people just kind of get it and you can come in and do your thing. But it is. But it's also the South. <laughs> it's also yes. all. It also exists in the South, which is an interesting place among itself. So. Uh, yeah,
1: and I and I have a family in uh, Alabama, which the funny part is, is I'm very aware that Alabama and Nashville are not the same South, you know, because I've been enough in the South to know that's not the same. But I do have a I do have a a, a love and respect for the South that most people from San Francisco don't have. They just go, oh, the South. They go, oh, you mean know where people are
0: friendly? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean where <laughs> Cracker Barrel you know where is? <laughs> are, yeah, people will smile at you in the streets and ask you about your mom and actually wait for a response. Yeah, that's crazy. It's true. Um, it's true. It's true that the, the two sides of it uh, exist. There's that. There is that niceness, but there is you know the the centuries of hate that kind of uh, yeah. fester <laughs> right. underneath yeah. too. Yeah. There is intolerance underneath there too. But yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that you know, you know, I think it's it's it, that's the thing. It's like, but San Francisco has also intolerance. This weird intolerance too that you have to. That's why the show was written in San Francisco. I think the, the ending racism show because every part of the country has its blind spots. Right. You know, every part of the country has this, like, uh, we don't really want to talk about that. And and in San Francisco, they don't want to be challenged. They, like, they sort of think they, a lot of people in San Francisco, feel like, well, I live here, so I must be liberal. And it's like, well, no, you're actually not. Look at what you're doing. And they don't want to be challenged on that thing, you know. San Franciscans getting embarrassed about how liberal they're actually not. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I think that, like, whereas, like, you know, so some people, so it's like a weird thing that it, yeah, so no matter where you go, there's going to be something where, like, oh, this is what they do here, you know.
0: yeah. And as a comic,
1: it's your job to go on stage and sort of within the first few minutes to sort of, like, pick up the, uh, you know, pick up the, you know, that's the job of the comics, to take the temperature to the room and see if they can make it funny.
2: Who is W. Kamal Bell? I want to be a comedian or Spider-Man, but they don't let black people be spider man (laughs) Kamal has a knack for tackling edgy subjects. He can talk about the most awful things, but you still feel like, oh, I like this guy. The Supreme Court recently just gave a thumbs up to the Arizona law that allows police to check the immigration status of people they have stopped lawfully whom they suspect of being in the country illegally. That's a lot of words for looking Mexican. W Kamal Bell, the coolest thing to come out of San Francisco since Metallica. Dear Black Jesus, please have Kanye West and Kim Kardashian marry. Then a short nine months later, Kanye's ego would be so big he would figure out a way to carry the baby himself.
0: No, he's really smart and very political and edgy. Mitt
2: Romney, that's gonna be hard on a lot of Americans. It's gonna be a Mormon versus a black guy. For most of America, that's like aliens versus predators. You know what I'm mean? saying? W. Kamal Bell. Election coverage you can't trust. These are the Stand Your Ground states, otherwise known as places I will never take my family on vacation. I hope to be a thorn in the side of evil, is what one of my goals is. <laughs> a hilarious thorn in the side of evil. Do you know Pat Buchanan is so racist that if you Google him it says, did you mean Pat Buchanan racist? Kamal Bell is amazingly awesome. He's, He's smart, is- comedy's intelligent, okay. but at the same time funny and it's relatable. He's brilliant. His comedy is complete truth. Turning on your TV and not watching Kamal Bell is like going to a strip club for the DJ. <laughs> totally biased with W Kamal Bell premieres Thursday, August ninth, only on FX.
0: Uh, you've uh, you've been doing Totally Biased now. Is, is this your, still? Are you still in your first season?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's technically the way the the peculiarities of TV scheduling works. I'm basically halfway through the first season. We have 30, We got picked up. We started with six episodes and we went to seven. Now we have thirteen starting. Uh, January seventeenth
0: at eleven effects Okay, yeah, that's great. I, I knew that it got picked up sort of for, I, it's so hard to to, to know how yeah. they view it, but uh, I mean, you
1: know, all that stuff has changed
0: so much. You know, even in you know in the last
1: ten years about what a season is and when it starts. You know, it, so it's just, I just like to think I still have a show.
0: Absolutely. they it Divide the slides wherever they want to. I still have a TV show. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, and now and Chris Rock is producing this show, uh, which I'm sure everybody asked you about Chris Rock, but and so and I am no exception. But I, no, I, I, yeah, was, is, I is there some don't ask
1: about rock, I think not paying
0: attention. absolutely? I mean, the, and that's, that's got to be a huge. I mean, not you know, let alone that it's Chris Rock, who who's one of the greatest standups I feel like that we have today, maybe of all time. But the fact that he kind of tapped you to to make this show that he believes in and has put his name behind that's got to that's got to be kind of surreal in a way.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of surreal parts of this. The way I describe this is like. You know, it's like being hit by a good hurricane. That it turns your life upside down. It's for good reasons, but you're still like, "What happened to my chair?" Like, it's great, but it's still a thing that like you have to sort of deal with the uh, the, the the fallout of this thing. So, yeah, no, having Chris in my um, in my corner is great, and he certainly, you know, the show we're doing is a you know basically a version of the show he did on HBO, and and so he's done a lot of the things we've done before. It's not maybe not exactly the same thing, but he's on versions of them, so he's right. got advice and and feedback and yeah, it's great to have him around and he's he's been as in, he, you know he's been as involved as I've wanted him to be involved. I certainly don't want to look like I'm like leaning on him too much, but no uh, certainly I you know he, he comes to the tapings on Thursdays and pitches jokes like any other comedy writer.
0: That's that's great. And I mean from what I've heard of Chris Rock he is he is still in that you know, very much views himself as a comic in a and in a and a writer and so so that, yeah, that, so that he, I mean he's still, he's going up right now and probably you know, getting ready for his next tour and you know
1: I saw him perform live actually for the first time uh live since totally bias started I've seen him perform live years ago with and he's clearly working stuff out and you go oh yeah that's he's still Chris Rock even though he's got a winter
0: coat on and a hat he <laughs> like, has got it he's, when he comes back he'll be ready well the show is is great and uh, I think it's only just going to get better and. Uh, I I really appreciate you taking the time to uh uh to come on the on the show and talk about it and and I and I I wish you the best of luck uh on this tour and uh, I'll I'll be at the Nashville show so I'll make sure to come and and say hey. Yeah
1: please do and also just to let people know because this is going to that is they you know we're doing a special thing in Nashville and a few cities where if you bring a friend of a different race you get in two for one you you know we gotta you know not even Martin Luther King Jr. did that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Breaking new ground, breaking ground. I love it. Well, Kamal, it was uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. Yeah,
1: good talking to you. Yes, I like this is, uh, this was fun.
0: Well, that does it for episode 38 with W Kamau Bell. Thank you guys so much for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did and, uh, check out Kamau on, uh, totally Bias. I think, uh, 11 PM on Thursdays, uh, 11 PM central that is anyway. So, and check him out on his new stand-up tour, uh, that is happening right now, uh, all over the country. So, uh, thank you guys once again for listening. Don't forget to send in your favorite music of the year. Uh, to me by December 18th, and uh, we'll all have a giant uh, end of the year party together since the world's gonna end uh, three days after that. So, uh, my name is Nick Flora for Who Writes This Stuff. Go to something creative.